0: Hello babies. How's everybody doing? The boredom that I have been dealing with, oh my goodness, I've decided to consider it the calm before the storm, a good storm. I think life is about to get busy for me in many good ways. And maybe my restlessness is anticipation and antsiness. I don't know if that's a word, but I'm going to make it a word. We'll find out if good things come to those who are anxious, but until then, I am hanging in there. I have mentioned before how I had like a dozen bags of clothes that I needed to get rid of last year. Well, I finally did that and I felt a huge relief, but I didn't tell y'all that my closet is still full of blankets and clothes and towels and all kinds of stuff. If I open the closet door too fully, there's likely to be some sort of avalanche of cotton and linen and everything else coats to smother me in my own home. I do not want to die by closets. I hope to have this all tackled by my birthday, which is in April. And you can get me a birthday present by subscribing to the podcast Patreon or, you know, buying my book if you haven't already. I love presents. Thank you. Anyway, I've said this before, y'all know this. I am not fashionable. I am not a clothes horse by any means. So I'm not even sure how I got to this point. I think it's just really a matter of me being too lazy to go to the laundromat. I hate hauling my clothes down blocks and streets and stuff. Everything I wear in New York is so functional and practical. Even before the pandemic, I hardly dressed with any purpose beyond making sure I could make it to and from the subway easily, especially if I have to run for my life. Like, I am not going to be wearing heels on the subway. So my attire can best be described as practical, comfortable, and life-saving. It's not very thrilling at all. It's actually kind of sad because I secretly love elaborate shoes and buttery soft leather purses In some alternative universe where I am wealthy and carefree. My closet is mostly walls of beautiful purses and shoes of all kinds. But now I have a lot of cute purses, ankle boots, and tennis shoes. When I buy tennis shoes, I pretty much think, how will this go with all my jeans and t-shirts? Or will I actually wear these to work out? I did buy some slick pumas that I use when I'm on my exercise bike, but other than that, I really don't put much effort into buying something like tennis shoes. I also always hear my mother's voice in my head, scolding me for paying anything more than $50. Really... $30 for a pair of some damn tennis shoes because, you know, the point is to be active as possible in them. So you're going to wear them out. It doesn't make sense to spend a lot of money on something you're going to have to keep buying over and over and over again. But my guest today is an old friend who puts significantly more thought into buying tennis shoes than I do. Jamal Smith collects tennis shoes like art, wearable art. Jamal does top secret stuff for the government. No, he doesn't. Or does he? Hmm. But he also hosts a podcast. And shopping for tennis shoes is one of his passions, a way he brings color into his life. And let's get this out of the way now. Look. I say tennis shoes because I am from the South. Most people on the East Coast and the Northeast call them sneakers. So you're going to hear me go back and forth with the term because I do admit that sneakerhead sounds cooler than tennis shoe fiend. But don't slide in my DMs trying to correct me. (laughs) I will not have it. Anyway, this concept of being a sneakerhead is so completely foreign to me. I know what I like and I know what serves a purpose for me, but the mythology and the processes of it all is so beyond me. And there's so much more beneath the surface of just, I like these shoes. I wanted to find out more about this hobby and why it's become such an elite moment in fashion history. So I asked Jamal to tell me all about the culture of being a sneakerhead and how it's changing. This episode is sponsored by Skillshare. They have so many fascinating classes on Skillshare on topics including illustration, design, photography, animation, productivity, and more. One class I've been looking at is Hand Lettering Essentials for Beginners by Mary Kate McDevitt. McDevitt covers everything beginners need to draw, ink, and transform handwriting into artful drawings across 16 bite-sized video lessons. Skillshare helps you move your creative journey forward without putting life on hold. Their short classes are a perfect fit for your busy routine. You'll create real projects and get the support of fellow creatives. Explore your creativity at Skillshare.com slash thisisgood, where listeners get a free trial of premium membership. That's two weeks free at Skillshare.com slash thisisgood. We're also sponsored this week by Monk Pack. MonkPack Pack offers low-sugar, keto-friendly bars that are plant-based, gluten-free, and non-GMO. They're the perfect snack for anyone who's trying to eat better or cut back on sugar and carbs without sacrificing taste. Monk Pack bars have a great texture and come in delicious flavors like sea salt dark chocolate, coconut cocoa chip, and caramel sea salt. They're perfect for a quick breakfast, especially when you don't like breakfast like I do, or a snack between Zoom calls. Monkpack is so confident in their product, it's backed by a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll exchange the product or refund your money, whichever you prefer. Get 20% off your first purchase of any Monkpack by visiting monkpack.com and entering our code This Is Good at checkout. To get started, just go to monkpack.com. That's dot com, and select any product. Then enter the code THISISGOOD at checkout to save 20% off your purchase. Finally, we're sponsored by Beta Brand. Ever wake up wishing you could just go to work in your comfy pants? Well, now you can, with Beta Brand's Dress Pant Yoga Pants. These magical dress pants are soft and stretchy and just as comfy as yoga pants, but you'll look polished and put together. These look good enough to wear around town, but they're comfy like loungewear. Choose from dozens of colors, patterns, cuts, and styles like bootcut, joggers, cropped, skinny, and more. And they have fun, limited-time prints, but they do sell out fast, so don't wait. Right now get 30% off your beta brand order when you go to betabrand.com slash this is good. That's B E T A Brand.com slash this is good for 30% off your order for a limited time. Make sure to use our special URL because it supports the show. Find out why women are buying five different pairs of these pants. Go to betabrand.com slash this is good for 30% off.
1: Jamal Smith. I'm a D.C. area native, uh, 41 years old, uh, father of two, long-suffering Washington Wizards fan. Uh, (laughs) um, I create memes. I buy a lot of sneakers. You know, I'm kind of a modern renaissance sort of guy, aging gracefully. (laughs) Totally walled up during quarantine uh, and enjoying it. I've discovered a lot about myself, new hobbies, new interests. Yeah, just happy happy to be here.
0: Excellent. I'm glad that you agreed to uh, come on the show and talk to me because we are going to talk about your uh, sneaker collection Mm -hmm. being. uh, Would you call yourself a sneakerhead?
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, Even though I don't partake in kind of all sides of sneaker fandom, you know, I buy, but I don't resell. I don't, you know, try to make a profit from it. But I definitely am actively engaged every week, almost every day and looking to buy something or seeing what's trending in the industry. So I absolutely am a sneakerhead.
0: So let's talk about that. When did that start? Because you said you're 41. Yeah. Uh, so that's like, that's still technically a millennial. Are you a zennial? Like, I don't know. Right.
1: Yeah, we're right, right on the cusp. Yeah. Yeah. So I borrow uh-huh. from both. I, I don't like talking on the phone, but I still need to like document things in email, if that makes sense. So, yes. yeah, I would say it started probably about, Um, it was actually 2016. I got put onto this app, which you probably heard of called Sneakers. It's the Nike app that everybody bemoans, right? Mm-hmm. And I noticed that particular Saturday they were dropping a pair of Jordan Eleven Space Jam sneakers that I honestly had wanted since I was you know a lot younger. Now coming up in single parent household, my mom did very well. Obviously, she wasn't the habit of dropping you know well over hundred dollars on sneakers. Like yeah, this particular Saturday those sneakers came out on the app, and um, you know I was able to get them. Now the industry has changed a lot since then, but. I think that kicked off everything because I realized it was something I enjoyed. I got something I've always wanted. You know, the cost wasn't too terrible. Uh, mm. And yeah, it's been downhill since then.
0: You said space Jam.
1: Yeah. Jordan 11 space jam is the type of Jordan 11. Sure.
0: I mean, is it, tied into Space Jam? Like, I don't... What does it look like?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's the Jordan 11 is the one that's the first sneaker that Jordan put out that had the patent leather kind of around uh, the bottom of the shoe. Um, this was his kind of return sneakers when he came out of retirement. It was wearing number 45. Um, that's what's kind of embroidered on the back of the shoe. So, yeah, it was just tied into the movie also. Pretty popular shoe. It's not like super super high in terms of popularity, but Jordan Elevens are still super coveted within the sneaker community. So those are pretty pretty popular.
0: Oh, okay. So now I remember now they're the white and then they have the black patent leather around the edges, yeah. and they make your they look like moon boots. And that's that's
1: <laughs> exactly uh, right. Okay. Uh, yeah, you know exactly which one I'm talking about.
0: Yes, I remember those were uh, a hot commodity at some point. And so so for you, you kind of started at this point in 2016 to kind of. I don't want to say get back, but get a piece of your childhood that you weren't really, you didn't have access to at the time.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, I talked to a lot of, there's a lot of guys I know that are right around my age and we all kind of have similar backgrounds. We, wanted of these things when we were younger, either we, we didn't get it from my parents or we had to like scrape together our own like allowance money uh, to get them. But it's, it, you know, it, yeah, it's pretty much reliving or, or getting that piece of childhood back.
0: And you talked about the the website or the app uh, sneakers.com that people have issues with? What exactly are the issues that people tend to have with it?
1: So basic economics is there is a very limited supply of any of these that they do and the demand is excessively high. So obviously there's going to be a ton of people that miss out and sneakers has gone from a model for most shoes where 10 o'clock hits, you know, people count down on their watch, the drawing of the, the the purchase opens and it's kind of a jump ball. If you're able to get in quickly enough and get the sneakers, you know, you're one of the fortunate ones since then they've kind of moved to this mostly drawing model. So you have 15 minutes to enter a drawing and you, uh, you know, if you're fortunate enough, you, you get a pair of whatever's release. Um, Because people obviously miss out more often than not, especially those who don't know much about how sneaker buying goes now, Um, you know, customer satisfaction across the app is super low. Um, Nike doesn't really care because they still sell out uh, pretty much everything. But the fact that you wait for release day, scrape your money together, and you're ready to purchase and you cannot get what you want, uh, it can be extremely frustrating and disheartening. So that's why um, sneakers and Adidas has a similar app called Confirm. They just draw the ire of so many people. People just cannot understand why they can't buy you know, the shoes they want. And I, And I get it.
0: Yeah. So I seem to recall that when a new shoe would drop like people would be able to actually go to a physical location? And maybe, yes, they were standing in line, but they could actually go into a store and be like, okay, I want this shoe. Here's the money. And then they get their shoe. At what point (laughs) did it go from, don't even try to go into a store anymore. You just have to like play this lottery and maybe you'll win.
1: Man, um, I would pinpoint a couple things. So I think the popularity of the Jordan Retro sneakers. So basically re-releasing things that were out, you know, 10, 15, 20 plus years ago, that kind of bumped up the the popularity. And also sneakers went from being a lot of sneaker brands went from being strictly performance to casual. So people began to wear sneakers more as fashion than you know, strictly getting on a court or you know, running up the field or running track. You know, it became a, a kind of a, a big aesthetic piece for people. Um, so when sneakers went more mainstream, that kind of started the the snowball. The real major change in the sneaker industry came when we saw an advent of reselling. So people buying sneakers and selling them for profit has exploded in popularity over the last 10, 15 years. Um, there's apps called like StockX and Goat, where people win a drink and then turn around and flip them for whatever the market value is. That, that's that been the real, I guess, seed change in the industry. Um, in addition to that, there have been kind of isolated things, um, always tell people that when... Um, the Chicago Bulls uh, Last Dance documentary came out. God, I think that was 2020, maybe. Um, I know we were stuck in a house. Mm-hmm. That was like during the kind of beginning of the uh, the pandemic. The popularity for Jordan sneakers to buy on the market really exploded after that. The demand for them went super high. And you can notice that we see a change in the market value almost overnight when episodes were airing. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, the, the fact that it, people can can make some extra bucks off of it. Um, people have learned to game the different platforms to you know, quickly make purchases in an automated fashion versus people trying to manually key in some data. Um, the sneaker aftermarket business is like a billion dollar industry. Um, there's so much that goes into um, if you miss out, here's a way to actually buy what you were looking for just at a, a pretty high premium in some cases. So that's that's those are the things that really kind of change the game.
0: Mm. And what is your do you do you have a particular style of shoe that you gravitate towards or like what what keeps you in the game
1: i'm a big um nike person i'm specifically jordan ones and uh, blazers blazers is more like a skate shoe but um they release a lot of different varieties of them a lot of different color patterns and you know you name it you can uh, kind of find a blazer to fit your style what keeps me in (laughs) is like that little satisfaction i get out of winning a drawing every now and then um and i wanna i mean i lose a lot more i mean tons more than i actually uh win but it, it you know it's a good feeling to get something at retail price something that you've been coveting something you've been following for for months and you know sneakers get teased months out in advance you can see sneakers getting teased at fashion shows or the actual designer themselves might wear them to a basketball game or out in the street and get you know a photograph taken so i mean imagine you're tracking something you know in real time up until the release date. And, um, you know, you actually get it. I mean, that's a, that's a that's a damn good feeling. So that's what keeps me coming back. Um, I have taken breaks from the sneaker game because of disappointment, <laughs> <laughs> like several mm-hmm. times. Um, about a year ago, I, I lost about four or five drones on the same shoe that I really wanted. So I started thinking this was all you know kind of stupid that I'm dumping so much money into it. But I was right back as soon as I want something else. So nobody really <laughs> quits the game. You, you kind of get stuck in.
0: You mentioned that you're a father and you have uh, some kids. So what happens when you and your kids are like wanting the same kind of shoe that is only dropping at this very precise moment? And maybe you will get a chance to win one pair.
1: I mean, hey, you know, um, <laughs> may the best man win. <laughs> like, like, I'm, like, so here's the thing. My, my oldest son, he's in middle school now. I bought him a second pair of Jordans uh, for Christmas. The first pair he wore when he was playing basketball, he played, you know, rec league ball and he dogged them, but they were cool. I mean, he just really, you know, he liked them, but he didn't wear them casually. He's getting it now and he's a little more style conscious and he's getting more into kind of dressing. So, you know, I bought him some, uh, some Jordan sevens actually that he, uh, he asked about like, you know, months ago. So I, I expect that. As he gets older, he'll get more into them. He's learning about taking care of shoes because he definitely, you know, wore a pair of really nice Vapor Max all white shoes to a um a Halloween festival outside and completely <laughs> destroyed them. So um, that really woke him up on, you know, how to clean his sneakers. I just want know how to clean them and you know how to take care of things. But I fully expect that when they get, you know, not even my age, because they're gonna be bigger than me. They are already, you know, real tall, but they're gonna be taking my sneakers, they're gonna be wearing my stuff. Uh, but when it comes to actual releases. I got the money, so I'm gonna get first 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 bill on it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that's all <me. laughs> respectfully. Look, they can come to me with like a counter offer, you know, they can offer to kind of scrape together some allowance or something, but no, I'm the I'm the sneakerhead in the house. I'm the hobbyist.
0: And how do you display your shoes or keep them in storage? Like, do you display them so that you can actually see them visually or do you keep them tucked away in their boxes? Because I know that there is like all kinds of ways that sneakerheads uh, show off their shoes or keep them hidden and out of sight to avoid sunlight exposure and all this kind of stuff. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: um, a couple different ways. So I actually, um, so I just moved a few months ago and I realized when I moved that Unfortunately, I thought I had enough space for my sneakers, but i I don't. So right now, I have a combination of first is in these kind of clear drop front um, shoe boxes I got from the container store. They're super popular among sneakerheads because they are, it's a nice display piece. You kind of tuck them away. Everybody's watched Thesis and Mero. You see the sneaker wall that Disa sits in front of. That's what I have also. Um, I also have some shoes, kind of older sneakers that are just out on the shelves in my closet. Mm-hmm. And then I also have finally sneakers in their original boxes. And thankfully I kept a lot of the original boxes because when I moved, I realized this is a lot of stuff I'm not probably ever going to wear stuff that I've never taken out the box. You know, I may have taken it out and tried them on. They didn't really have a good feel to them. So, um, you know, I end up kind of, uh, selling those, but then I lost some money on them, but that's okay. That's that's kind of part of the game. The clear box is actually in my garage, which is not ideal at all. Um, they're protected. I mean, they're not exposed to the elements, but you know, it's like, I looked and there's probably about a hundred pairs of sneakers in the garage alone that, um, unless I'm going to work out and I just, I don't, I don't really touch. So once I move again into a bigger space, I will have a place to kind of centralize everything, but I just kind of all over the place now, which it, it, you know, it looks like I have a problem, but I don't really have a problem. I'm just working for a solution. (laughs) Uh,
0: How many pairs of tennis shoes do you have?
1: So I did a count because I I had a feeling I would be asked this. Mm -hmm. I'm anywhere between about 180 to 200 pair right now that fluctuates based on Again, if I have some stuff I want to get rid of, or you know what's coming in. Actually, just just before we hopped on, I got two pair delivered today. As a matter of fact, uh, so yeah, that's that's about where I am. And this is after I did a lot of clearing out after I moved. So, but look to give myself an excuse. When I first like really got into sneaker drawings and these different retail platforms. I would enter anything to get a pair of shoes. There's a lot of stuff I just, I've really got a high off of, you know, kind of winning these drawings and finding these different places to buy from. Mm-hmm. So I got a lot of stuff I, I thought that I would like at the time and I got it now. I'm like, what was I thinking? Like this stuff is, that was terrible. So Yeah, so that's about where I
0: am. So how do you make a decision for uh, what shoes are going to stay within easy reach for you to get to? What shoes are going to be in the garage, out of sight, or just not as easily accessible? Like, how do you rank the shoes that are going to be close to your heart (laughs) as opposed to the ones that are kind of like you got to reach for them?
1: So if you look at my different storage areas, they kind of tell a story. Right. The stuff that's in my closet that's out in the open, this unboxed are early Stuff I purchased, so that stuff is in an area of my closet that it's physically hard for me to get to, and I don't mind because I just I, again I don't touch that stuff. Um, the higher price items, the things that I've spent the most money on, are in my garage. Again, if I remember to make that little trip to the garage before I decide to head out somewhere, I'll grab something from there. But most of the stuff that's easily within my reach is the more recent purchases, stuff that I have had, um, you know, a few months or a few weeks or so. The stuff I got today, for you know, as a matter of fact, is going to go um, in that little wall in my bedroom where um, where the more recent stuff is but you know honestly i'm not i'm not really going many places these days as Mm -hmm. most of us aren't Mm -hmm. my workplace is completely casual and i could wear sneakers at work and when i was going into the office pre pre pre-pandemic You know, I would wear pretty much a different pair of shoes um, every couple of days that I went in. You know, I'm not wearing some $400 shoes to go to Target or to pick up some ground beef at Wegmans. It's tempting as it may be. I'm just I'm not I'm not doing that. So I also have just a rotation of like kind of, you know, stuff that I don't mind just wearing out to run errands or, you know, kicking around. I usually wear those more. those, Those sit right by my bed.
0: I guess my next question then is back to the why. Like it distills down to reliving a moment of your childhood or getting a moment of your childhood that you didn't have before, but also that adrenaline rush that uh, what is it, dopamine, yep. you know, from winning something. So, can you break down more of the of the why because it seems really frustrating to put a lot of time and effort into this and like maybe win one out of ten times.
1: Yeah, it's 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 kind of difficult to explain. I I mean I, I really have always been into clothing and not so much sneakers, but definitely appearance. I buy almost as much clothing as I buy sneakers. Um, so I'm always into the looks. And I think sneakers afford you a way to be super expressive without really having to say anything, right? Your appearance speaks for itself, your shoes speak for themselves. So I think, you know, in the very basic sense, it's about appearance. Um, and then sneakers, again, it's a fascinating industry. It's so much more than just appearance. When you really get into the kind of weeds on trends by geographic area, you know, the, the UK purchases differently than the United States, than does Japan, than does, you know, and then you have exclusives, right? Things that are only coming out in a specific region of the world. And, you know, you want to really get your hands on stuff. So, it's kind of, you know, it's a a kind of, just like any other collectible, you know, it's, um, it's fun to, to dig into it. Um, I enjoy lots of collaborations between major sneaker retailers and, um, and designers, you know, obviously Kanye, um, lover, my has made a stupid amount of money with his collaboration with Adidas because he's able to produce a um, a silhouette or, or two or three that is extremely popular with a group of people and that stuff sells out in seconds. I think about Virgil Abloh, the uh, designer behind Off-White who passed away, uh, unfortunately, um, not too long ago, and how he kind of redefined really um, sneaker collaborations when he teamed up with Nike and he put out, you know, years and years of just extremely popular uh, sorts of things. So, you know, so much more than just surface level. You can really get way way into um, sneaker history, and like I said, collaborations, and it becomes this like, um, you know, it's a a whole culture uh, that is really, really fun to follow.
0: Yeah, I mean, you can absolutely trace uh, the moment that sneakerdom, I guess you want to call it, sneaker fandom, went from something that was for, you know, hip hop, skaters, and then it became this thing that was like um, a trend setting moment. It was part of mainstream and it, you know, it went someplace where the people who were making tennis shoes and sneakers or, you know, uh, the thing were suddenly priced out of being able to access that thing. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah.
1: That's a, that's a good point because um again, if you <laughs> this tweet went viral, like around Christmas is this young lady was trying to buy just a pair of Jordans that were coming out. You know, she's like, I I, I can't get the sneakers. I understand why I can't get the sneakers. And yeah, it's almost like uh, the sneaker game has been gentrified, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Where it used to be a very simple process. It's become something that people are, are, like you said, priced out of. And when people see aftermarket prices, they're stunned. Like, I can't believe people are paying for this. But that's where we've kind of landed in the industry is if if you can't get it at at the drop date and time, you're either missing out completely, or you are, you know, putting a dent in your budget just to get something that you should have gotten for probably two three hundred dollars cheaper. So it's, it's it's kind of wild like that.
0: Yeah, I re- remember that big uh, news story where it turned out that the son of one of the she was a Nike employee, the vice president and general manager of Nike North America. So she had like her hands in everything and her son at the time was about 19 and he kept bragging that his mom you know worked at nike and probably Mm -hmm. that's how he was getting access to all this stuff and then you see like all these pictures that he had out where he had like a whole warehouse of of shoes i think she had to resign
1: she did resign i don't know what happened to his inventory i can't imagine them taking anything back he probably just just sold the rest of it or or something like that. Yeah, basically her son was backdooring himself <laughs> his whole inventory to, to resell. To see. and you know, I'm sure those the shoes are reselling for, you know, at least twice the value. So he was pocketing all that. Another story is why Michael Jordan's son has a, a retail outlet called Trophy Room. And he had a special Jordan one release. They were really nice looking shoes. Really popular color pattern, you know, the black, white and red colorway. And um uh he opened up his you know, he did a drawing on the site, but nobody that i know or anybody else knew actually won a pair come to find out the rumor is that he really just sold them all to his family and friends and then priced everybody else out of it so these stories pop up and you know the the nike director story with her son um Taking inventory was, you know, one of those things that dealt a major blow to Nike and the sneaker apps uh, uh, credibility and, and customer set. And my, Nike started to change their model after that. That's when things, um, we did more drawings, we did more eligibility for people who had missed out on purchases. So they they listen to the consumers, but again, the demand is excessively high. So nobody, you know, everybody just can't be happy, unfortunately. Reselling, uh, not to keep harping on it, it's such a big part of... Um, sneaker bot. I, I bought some, um, I want a drawing to get some Jordan 11 shoes, uh, another pair, not the Space Jam. This was a, a great pair that came out right around the holidays last year. And um, it's one of these rare purchases I had to make in store. You want a drawing, but you have to come in and actually buy them. So I went to the Nike store in Georgetown in DC and I get in line, man. And as soon as I like walked up to the end of the line, it was like two guys in my ear, like offer me, you know, a premium price for them. Like, I'll give you so and so right now. I'll give you 260 right now. I'll give you this. And I was like, Are y'all serious? Like, like what? <laughs> but you know, and and I go outside after I'm taking my bag. I didn't sell them, by the way. I go outside, and there's a lot of different guys looking to resell. So, looking to buy the sneakers right off you as soon as you swipe your card um, to turn a profit. And they don't um, even care
0: what size it is. It's not even about being able to wear the shoe, it's just about getting them back out and getting money for them.
1: Yeah, precisely. They're not going to wear those shoes. They probably never plan to wear them. Um, It's about turning a profit. And that particular shoe was so popular at that time that um, you would have got a nice profit off of them either way. So yeah, it's, it's, it's huge. I went to this uh expo called SneakerCon, um, which I think travels the country. I went to the one in DC and I made the mistake of taking the kids and it was insane in there. Mm. Just reseller after reseller, anywhere from big name, you know, kind of bigger vendors that had tables of stuff to, you know, guys walking in and opening their backpacks that had like three pairs in there, but they knew it was some coveted stuff that they could flip for some money. Yeah, it's it's an enormous, enormous industry. I think StockX is doing. Um, they've got endorsements with athletes. I think Goat has endorsements. Um, eBay has really come up and um, trying to compete with those two in the aftermarket game because they can verify and make sure you're not getting sold, you know, fake shoes, mm-hmm. uh, which is another kind of element of the whole thing. Uh, so yeah, aftermarket is huge. Nine times out of ten, if you want something right now, you have to buy it aftermarket. There's no inventory anywhere. Unless always want to buy like some old Reebok classics or something. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody wants those. <laughs> or some case Weslows, like something like that.
0: Uh, so, what are the shoes that you buy multiple pairs of and that you're because you're actually wearing them?
1: Jordan ones, I wear pretty much all my Jordan ones. I have a couple now that I have, maybe two or three that I have not worn. They're still in the box. I haven't put them on yet, but I think that's just a good look. Jordan ones, you can't go wrong. It's a classic shoe, super popular. There's a color pattern that kind of fit anything that you want to wear. Um, and I think it just it's a good look for me. Every type of shoe doesn't look right on certain people. For example, I wear a size 13. I can't wear you know some regular low top shoes sometimes. Look like I've got on you know kayaks on my feet, but. Uh, <laughs> Jordan ones are always a good look. Blazers, like I mentioned, are good. Certain Jordan retros are popular, but I can't wear because they're just too. You know, this is this is sneaker technology from like the eighties, right? Mm-hmm. The original kind of silhouettes were made then. So you get like a Jordan three or four; those are big, bulky shoes. It's like wearing bricks on your feet. I like the looks, but I, I just I can't wear them. So I, I mainly hover around Jordan ones, Blazers. If I do a low top. Um, I'll do Jordan 1 Lowe's, but I have to just kind of watch the the look on it. But yeah, those are what I tend to gravitate toward. That's, that's what makes up most of my collection, whether it be the straight up retro releases or some collaborations.
0: Okay. Let me tell you this. So I have a pair of Air Force Ones, all white. Mm. And every time I wear them, dude's Like, if they don't stop me and, like, say something about them, then they act like impressed or something that I am wearing them in that way that men do yeah. you know that condescending way that y'all do where you're just like what you're no. You're, no. Okay. you're a girl and you have on some <laughs> cool tennis shoes you know that kind of thing <laughs> and I just like it's. I just needed some all white shoes dog that's all that's all I needed yeah. I just needed some all white tennis shoes I saw these they were on sale I got them from fucking Nordstrom okay <laughs> like let's relax <laughs> let's relax with the insults and let's just like leave me alone about my shoes why yes y'all why do y'all act like this for air force ones
1: all white all right so let me a few things first did you get those when you moved to new york or did you have them in la also
0: no i got them here in new york
1: okay so air force one lows are very popular it's a classic 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 shoe um especially in new york uh, they're super popular so you get a point for that. That's one point. The second is um, it's not as rare anymore, but it's still not super common to come across a woman who has a strong sneaker game. You know what I mean? You can, sometimes it's like, you know, hit or miss, but if you find somebody of the opposite sex that has a um a pulse on what popular sneakers are out there and what's popping like you know that that turns heads, right? Um and then Air Force Ones got also like co-opted by the young TikTok community. So I know you talk about getting priced out of shoes. I think Air Force Ones have like shot up in, in market value since like college kids like kind of ran them into the ground. So but yeah it's a popular silhouette. It's a popular, very popular shoe. I can't wear Air Force Ones. That's one of those shoes that I cannot wear. They just look gigantic on my feet. Also something about the thick sole I just I, it doesn't really connect for me. But the Air Force One all-white low is like undeniable classic shoe. So, you know, yeah, kudos for that.
0: Mm, thanks. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you don't <know>, like... <laughs> what? What's your reaction when people give you props on your shoes? Are you...
0: I mean, they're just... Like, first of all, I I call them tennis shoes, right? So that's a problem. You you
1: know, Tennessee.
0: Yes. Uh, (laughs) Number two, I'm just like, I'm not putting that much effort into them. I just need some comfortable shoes to like run around in and i needed some i wanted something all white like i didn't put that much effort into it and so when i don't want anybody to like give me props for something that i haven't done you know right and i i'm not knowledgeable enough to fake it and be like oh yeah dog i yeah i got (laughs) i went and i scored these for you know like i can't talk about this shit
1: please (laughs) please just like that sometime the next time somebody gives you props So you just want functional shoes. Does anything else catch your eye as far as like other styles?
0: Yeah, there are some things like I did have these tennis shoes a while ago. They were camouflage like Mm. and they were like, I think they were a skater brand or something popular Mm. with skaters or something. They were high tops. I, don't, I can't remember the kind that they were. I just remember that, like, Justin Bieber had worn them at some point. Like, after I mm-hmm. got them, Justin Bieber wore them, and then everybody started getting them.
1: Oh, so you started the trend. That's no, the- I,
0: that's not what I'm saying, <laughs> ass. I'm just saying. <laughs> anyway, I love those shoes. I do love some high tops. I do love some, I don't know what they're called. Like, there is a certain type of Jordan that I do see a lot of, like, fly girls, I guess. I don't know what you want to call
1: it them wear mm-hmm. right mm-hmm.
0: with like the leather is like black and then everything else is colorful or something like that i don't know how to describe
1: yeah. the- they're probably jordan ones that's i mean that's that's the most popular yeah they're probably ones you need a pair of ones you have to have a pair of ones you got air force one lows so this, this is me pushing you into sneaker dome um <laughs> you have to get a pair of jordan ones you should probably get some blazers and dunks dunks are like super popular now that's one of those shoes um kind of like air force ones where Back in the day, I mean, it's just, they were made mostly at skater shoes. So a lot of skaters wore them. You can get Dunks for like less than a hundred bucks, eighty dollars, sixty dollars back then. Nobody wanted them, and um, I think it was like Travis Scott that started wearing. Them. That's another thing. If a celebrity gets a hold of a certain silhouette, mm-hmm. it's it's a wrap. But I think mm-hmm. Travis got blue, blue dunks up and now they resell for just ridiculous amounts. The retail price is low. So if you can get it at the retail price, which is usually a hundred dollars, you're good. But oh man, certain dogs flip for five, six, seven hundred $700. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's crazy.
0: Oh, Supras. That's what. The, well, that's what I had. The camouflage Supras. Yeah, a pair
1: of Supras. Okay, I wanted to say that, but I wasn't sure.
0: Uh, wait, is that okay. bad? Like, I don't know. I feel like you're judging me. Like, like, oh, poor thing, and then you're, you're patting me on the head.
1: Sneaker Supras don't really resonate in the sneaker community. They're like super functional for skating, but I don't even see skaters wearing Supras anymore. Okay,
0: well, it was a while ago. I will admit that. How long ago? I don't know. Like maybe ten years. Mm. I don't I don't know. But I like them because I like camouflage, right? Because I am from the South. I have mm. to represent my camo. And they were very functional and they look cute. They, they were nice. I either like an all white shoe or a camouflage shoe. If it is going to be colorful, I want it to be red. And it is hard oh. to find a red shoe that somebody is not going to be like oh you false flagging or something like i don't you know what i'm saying like i don't <laughs> i mean obviously i'm too old for anybody to like run up on me and be like what set you claim or some shit like yeah, that but it's yeah. still just like you know i'm i'm yeah. not trying to have no problems right yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but then like but then i remember we used to call them gangster nikes the cortez i think shoes yeah
1: yeah cortez yeah that's a definitely a west coast thing cortez don't pop on the east coast but Every time I see Cortez, it's definitely an L.A. thing, like for sure.
0: Yeah. Well, we used to wear them a lot in Nashville when, when they were up popular at the Really?
1: Moment. Okay. I didn't know where else I thought they were just really mainly a West Coast thing. No,
0: nah, they were like, they were popping in Nashville. We would wear them with stretch jeans and then our gangster Nikes. <laughs> and we would just be so cute with our hoop earrings. Uh, anyway, so like I had moments, right, where I would like pop and like get something that was popular. But for the most part right now, which I just buy tennis shoes because I'm like, oh, I'm going to pretend to work out. I need some workout shoes. And then I just mm. end up wearing them out to run errands and I am buying stuff that is not like I don't like where where do the brands fall because I got some Pumas to work mm-hmm. out in mm-hmm. um that I use to like get on my bike in but I don't wear them out and I remember Pumas used to have really bright colorful shoes like they had this one shoe that was like uh the red black and um green yeah. gold I I don't know anything about tennis shoes but I know what I like and then when I get them I just get mad when dudes like try to haze me about them because it's like, I just like tennis shoes. I just wanted something that I could run around in New York in, you know?
1: You're, you're functional yeah, functional for functional reason, not, yeah. not, not not aesthetically. I would say like your, your question you asked about where the brands fall. I mean, obviously Nike is still far and away the king. Um, And indeed it's because of the Yeezy collaboration, the Kanye collaboration and Yeezys alone, you know, has to be second. Um, from there, you know, it really depends on, you know, where a, other designers, it, you know, beyond that in the marketplace, Unless a brand is getting a collaborator, like a fashion designer typically, Mm -hmm. um, they don't get a whole lot of attention. So there are some Pumas that are, you know, maybe some retro styles that people are into or, you know, kind of collaborations. You know, Reebok is trying to do some things, although they haven't really ascended too much, but there are some Reeboks here and there that kind of catch my eye. Uh, Reebok Pumps, I mean, they, they went from the old pump model to these things called Insta Pumps, which are really popular with collaborators. And then there's like, if you really want to spend a lot less popular, but still make a fashion statement, these luxury brands also do sneakers themselves. So mm. Off-White, um, Rude, Fear of God, Margiela, so on and so forth. They have sneakers also. I maybe bought a couple of those pairs, um, but those those sneakers are, they started around 600 dollars. I that's I don't I don't really indulge in those.
0: So so your sneaker habit, how does it inform the rest of your life if it does at all? Like have you taken any lessons from the lottery of tennis shoes and applied <laughs> it to the lottery of life?
1: Oh man, that's a good question. Uh, if anything it makes me evaluate how wrapped up I am in material things. It gives me perspective on what's important and what's not. I've definitely overspent on shoes. I have seen the effect that losing out on shoes has on people. I always tell people: if you see somebody, you know, bringing the energy down in a room, like on a Saturday afternoon, they probably lost a sneaker raffle, right? They probably <laughs> took out on oh something. They're just upset. But, you know, I I've, I've help people out with their businesses. What I do for my day to day is I do a lot of contract negotiations and reviews, and I read a lot of regulations and statutory, you know, compliance type of stuff. Um, so I help people with their business models. And uh, if there's anything that Snigger Games taught me is that supply and demand is kind of vital to how you kind of roll out your business practices. And if you can convince people that there is a small supply of something if you know how to market toward, you must be in this place at this at this time to get this item that you really want, or else you're going to miss out. That that makes people flock to it uh, if they feel like there's something coveted about what you're releasing and something really desirable about this one thing. That you may miss out on. You may never see again. Um, it can really help drive a business model. So I've kind of been part of that when I do some consulting on the side here and there. You can you know you can pick up a lot of little tidbits like that. But uh, supply and demand is probably the biggest one. And some of these brands don't even have the market. So the need to kind of tie things in with certain higher profile people and, you know, giving back to your consumers. Uh, Nike does this thing now. They do this thing called Kick Check, right? Where once a week they take pictures off social media. You put a certain tag in your IG posts. Mm -hmm. They will put those into almost like a slideshow about, you know, seven or eight people. And, you know, they show people out wearing their shoes at art festivals, out out on the street shop, you know, in their room with plants behind them right but it helps people feel like they're part of the experience you know it gives you a little notoriety you get a little you know social media bump Mm -hmm. um but seeing uh, companies and this is bigger than sneakers I do I, I buy a lot of streetwear and I, um, I tag the people I buy things from um, if you help people feel like they're part of the experience that they're being profiled even if it's only for you know a few days, um, I think that goes a long way in terms of customer satisfaction and this is something that Nike did really after you know the incidents that we talked about to kind of help rebalance that customer satisfaction that they were missing out on
0: right because it's like you have to keep people hopeful right to make yeah. it seem like that they are can win and they could possibly be a part of this community in multiple ways um what is that holy grail shoe that you have missed out on that haunts you your moby dick what what is the thing that you're just like i'm gonna get that fucking shoe one day and you have been (laughs) like looking for it
1: all right so right now it's the uh jordan 2 off-white lows specifically the white and red and black uh colorway Um, And I have a story behind that. So this is, you know, I missed on the drop, obviously, as as most people did, I answered about five or six drawings on that. I missed on all of them, all of them. And the last one was a sneakers drawing. I just took L's everywhere. But I had a feeling I would. And you kind of, as a sneakerhead, you know when you're not going to get something. So you just kind of, you know, start setting aside a little bit of money. So I had the money ready to buy them aftermarket from StockX. The aftermarket price at that time was about, I think about $600. And I said, well, you know, I'll just forego some other releases. I have the money. Good. I'm I'm good to go. Uh, I remember I was out on a, you know, exercise and came back in the house. And while I was out, that's when the news of Virgil passing away had broken through, you know, the internet. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's sad to say, but people from his death alone started to price gouge wow. and the value of the sneakers doubled in a matter of like minutes. Wow. And I, you know, I'd like, I'm not, I'm not spending 1300 on shoes. Like I've spent a lot. Don't get me wrong, but I've, that's, that was way, way too steep for me. Mm-hmm. So since then the price has come down, but just not enough to my liking, but I'm going to get them. It might take a, you know, a little windfall of money or, you know, something going on where I don't feel this thing of paying that much. Mm-hmm. But that's probably my most coveted right now. The other ones where the Travis Scott won, the first ones he did, the high tops, and I did get a deal on those. So I got a whole list of stuff I keep in my app that I kind of check off <laughs> as I go along.
0: Uh, and do you have all these alerts ready to go if you're like out oh, yeah. exercising and you're just like, oh, I got to throw these kettleballs <laughs> oh, yeah. away. Let me go.
1: <laughs> let me let me tell you how deep it gets. You ready? Like it's more it's not enough to put the reminders on in the app. So sneakers will remind you 15 minutes out from a drop time. I put calendar messages. I put calendar alerts on. I put reminders on my phone. And when the drop time start, if it's something that I have to get in and buy right away, mm-hmm. I put my phone on Do Not Disturb. You just never know what will happen. I've had my mom call me during drops. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, she'll call me and, you know, you can't explain to your mom, like, I'm in the middle of this transaction, right? And she'll call and be like, well, you know, can you tell me how to uh, change the input on my, I I don't have time for that shit right now. Like, I got to buy, I have to spend this money. So, yeah, it gets deep. Like, I've been at work when I first started at my current job right around 10 o'clock. I would just get up and go to, like, you know, a huddle room and turn the light off so nobody can find me and talk to me. Uh, <laughs> I mean, is that serious? Because there's nothing worse than, like, missing out on a drop time that you've been planning for because of something flukish like that. Mm-hmm. Because somebody want to come up to your desk and tell you about their cat or show <laughs> you a picture of, um you know, their son and his baseball. I don't give a fuck. Like, I need to buy... <laughs> This stuff like right now so
0: <laughs> i love it i love it uh okay so i am going to ask if you could at some point maybe send me some shoes that i could Look, don't don't send me no six hundred dollars shoes, okay? Nah, I'm
1: no, I'm not gonna do that. That's not accessible to ninety percent of everybody.
0: Yeah, I I could maybe top out at like one to one fifty. Yeah,
1: you have to be more descriptive though, because just all white shoes. And what's the thing with all white shoes, by the way?
0: No, it's just it just feels very summertime to me. Okay. You know, it just makes me feel.
1: Like you're
0: back home. <laughs> I was gonna say it makes me feel fresh, but I'm
1: <laughs> <laughs> dating yourself.
0: Yes. Okay. Um. But send me some recommendations. I do like. Okay. I wear jeans and a t-shirt most of the mm-hmm. time. Um. Okay. In, in casual wear, and I want something that could look cute for like a dive bar date, but also maybe just like brunch with the girls. If we're not trying to be too cute, we're just trying to yeah. be like cute and you know i love my hoop earrings and my lip gloss
1: sure sure yeah you
0: know the vibe yeah
1: i got you i got you it was definitely starting you with jordan ones i mean that's again you can't go wrong there but um i got some other th- other things in mind
0: tell me, tell our listeners where we can find you online. And do you have a, a Instagram page where you show your your tennis shoes, like or your sneaker collection? Do you have that yet? Or just tell us where we can find you.
1: For sure. So um, my uh, main IG is Molly Gardens, M-A-L-L-Y underscore Gardens, G-A-R-D-E-N-S. If you want to go there, um, that's where all my day-to-day life is. But I post all my sneakers there, my finds, either in my story or on the page every week or thereabouts depending on how life's going. Um, I'm also on a podcast called the Participation Trophy Podcast. It can be found on all platforms. Look for the logo that looks like a trophy with the drunk face emoji. And if you want to laugh, I also make memes when I feel like it. Uh, So look for the tag Jesus, comma, Jamal, J-E-S-U-S, comma spelled out, C-O-M-M-A, Jamal. Uh, (laughs) may have seen my stuff around the internet, been viral a few times. So that's where to find me.
0: Excellent. Thank you so much. Is there anything uh, that I didn't get you to say that you wanted to make sure you said about being a sneakerhead and what it means to you?
1: Uh, Well, I'll give a piece of advice to people who might be looking to get into it. Just be patient. You're going to be frustrated. You're going to spend a little bit, but the sneaker community is great. Um, You'll find you'll meet a lot of cool people, even find a lot of cool events centered around sneakers. So take your time with it. Don't get frustrated, um, but also use your resources. Lean on those who know a little bit more than you. Definitely helps.
0: It's time for today's indulgence. That's something you can enjoy guilt and shame free today. I'm going to talk about sachets, finely scented packets that go in your closet or dresser drawers so that you can have a nice little burst of smell good when you open them. I suddenly remember sachets a few months ago. I was obsessed with them when I was little. I think they may have been a holdover from my grandparents or something. I'm not really sure. Also, it was the 80s, and so I think maybe it was kind of like a time warp thing as back then. There were these big envelopes with little beads inside that were scented with oil and you shake the envelope to activate the scent. And I would just be huffing those things, you know, like, I guess that was the kind of the beginning of my Like, love of smell goods and, you know, strong, beautiful scents. I don't know. But this may have also been around the time when everyone was super heavy into potpourri, these scented dry leaves and flowers that we would put out in pretty bowls. And then, you know, before memes were memes, right? We just had these little like inside jokes that everybody did. And we would show people just eating the potpourri because they mistook them for their bowl of popcorn or some shit like that. Anyway. I remember potpourri being all over the house, and I guess sachets were a part of that moment. I can't remember why I suddenly remembered sachets this time around, but y'all know I love my scented candles, my scented body oils. I love smelling good. I love having good scents in my house. So I went to Etsy to see if anyone still makes sachets, and they do. Oh my god. As a pet owner and someone who enjoys the now legal devil's lettuce, I'm hyper aware of making sure that my home smells good and that I don't leave the house smelling like a feline stoner. So I've been tucking sachets into my t-shirt and loungewear drawers. It's such a soft, subtle scent that's perfect. When I first went back to sachets, I poked fun of myself for turning into an old lady. I've also started tucking um, tissues into my cleavage and up my sleeves when I'm at home. I don't know what's happening to me. But one of these things that I love about old people is how they do not give a shit. They've been through some shit. They've been through so many things and they have decided to tell it like it is, tell it how they see it, and they deserve all the joy that they can manage. And one of the joys that I'm experiencing right now is giving myself whiffs of peaches as I stretch out in the quiet of my living room. So treat yourself to some sachets or make your own. You deserve a little joy. This has been your indulgence. You have been absolved. This is Good For You. It's hosted by me, Nicole Perkins, and produced by Multitude. Our lead producer is Eric Silver, our editor is Misha Stanton, and our executive producers are Amanda McLaughlin and me. Our theme was created by Don Will, and our art is by Jessica E. Boyd. You can follow the show at This Is Good Pod, and you can follow me at Tennessee Whiskey Woman. That's T N, whiskey with an E, woman. And a huge, huge thank you to everyone who supports the show on Patreon, especially to our supporting producer level patrons, Chelsea, Conchetta, Courtney, Elizabeth, and Mira. To get exclusive rewards like stickers, monthly playlists curated by me, and even custom drabbles written just for you, join us for as little as $5 a month at patreon.com slash thisisgoodpod. This was good for me. Was it good for you?